1: Have you heard about Inbound coming up again in 2021? There are over 70,000 global attendees that's going to come in for marketing, sales, and customer success. Should be fun. If you don't know Inbound, Inbound is hosted with love by HubSpot. And I'm again partnering up with them this year to share the love across the board. So if you want to grab your ticket, you are in right in place. I have a code for you. It's called Future CMO. You get 15% off and you can register for. Uh, the LinkedIn conference. Again, the show notes, you'll have all the details. Go to inbound.com, register, use the code. FutureCMO it is one of the best events that happen on the planet. Boom. Sangam here, welcome to uh, Wednesday morning. This is this is something that has now become a thing that I've started to do. and And a lot of people think that I'm doing it uh, pre-planned like months in advance. A lot of times, it's literally every other week. I'm talking to a few people, and I'm like, "Whoa, that's a great idea. Let's talk about that." And that's that's really what we're we're gonna chat today. Um, I'm gonna have a friend of mine who I feel is a long lost brother. Uh, you'll see, he just looks like me, very close. So he he and I have worked together at Exact Target, and there is something he said that said, "Hey, we gotta talk." Like literally said, "Stop talking." We got to talk about this live, which is he's getting some incredible amount of inbound and he's wondering if he should even think about outbound. So we're going to talk to Sean, uh, who's the VP of marketing at PendaDoc today. And then just to give you a heads up, we're going to have Patrick Lancioni coming up a little bit in October. Um, He's he's writing a new book. And he wanted to share his whole framework for the very first time live right here, which is which is going to be a spectacular thing. So he's calling it Working Genius, find your gifts um, that make you really amazing at work. So I'm excited about that. And later on, I'm going to have, uh, and I'm just giving a couple of ones that's coming up so you guys can uh, see a link over there and register for the whole series so you don't have to do it every single time. But I'm also talking to another friend of mine who actually was, kind of my boss when I was at Pardot um, Salesforce, uh, Mike Kostov, and he runs now everything for, for Pardot. And they are. He, he shared a few stories that I thought would be really cool as we get into November talking about 2021. So few amazing surprises coming up. So first and foremost, as always, let me bring Sean up. So Sean, man, welcome. How are you? I'm great, man. I'm great, Sangram. How are you? I am fantastic. So tell a little bit about that music. Why did you choose that as your
0: walk of music? Uh, I feel like uh, I have grown up on the Beastie Boys. Uh, They are, they've been something as far back as I can remember music. I have heard them and they have, uh, what's interesting about them is they evolved but held their core throughout the years.
1: Ricardo, who's also in the Peak community, he said something we had him before all hands yesterday and he said that the worst question you could ask anybody is, hey, man, uh, you know, what do you do? And 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 I'm like, no, what what, what I try to do in here is to actually play the favorite block of music because I could see them smile. I could see them jam. I could see them getting into some history, thoughts, connections. And when you share that, I think people get to know a little bit more about you. So thank you for sharing that, man. No, thank you for playing it. it like you said, it puts me in a good mood. All right, so let me just do welcome to a few people who just joined, and then we're gonna jump into this whole conversation around inbound, outbound, um, all that. So, hey, uh, Satria, good to see you over here. Lorena, awesome, there's a lot of of representation from Peak so that's really cool. Artie, Scott, Scott is ridiculously awesome, as as you know. Jen, who's running the advanced ABM group in Peak, so that's pretty cool. Hey, Chris, love you, man. Lisa, so awesome! She just started a new gig. She's the VP of marketing of uh, MindTickle and doing some ridiculously amazing things over there. So we're gonna get Lisa one of these days. Richard, again, long lost brother. I feel like all of, like I feel like I know so many of them now. Kate, <laughs> so good to see you. So we'll 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 give welcome to everyone as they join. So Sean, yes, you and I worked so much together in the in the past um, for a hot minute at Exact Target. For people who don't know. We work, and at that time you were running global demand generation for Exact Target. And since then you have risen up to become a VP CMO of uh, obviously one of the fastest growing company right now in the industry. And really interestingly, I also saw you being at Braze, that was that Boy, and um, and all that. But dude, your title was Director of Outbound Marketing. That's where you started. And the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago, you're saying. I got so much inbound, I don't know if I want to do outbound. And I was like, wait a minute, that's like completely different than what I thought uh, you did or what you your skills were. So so talk to me about the, the role that you had as a director of outbound marketing. What was that role all about? And now let's fast forward five more years, eight more years, I guess, in this journey and saying, wait a minute, what's happening with, with everything that you're doing? <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: so that director of outbound marketing, that role, was my first foray into SaaS, like officially into SaaS. Before that, I was in healthcare. I was doing technology stuff or marketing stuff, but it was very, very different. Uh, I jumped into this role, and we have a very common uh, thread in that Kevin Babowski is yeah. the one that hired me in. And uh, we both, for that hot second, worked for Kevin Babowski uh, or yeah. with him in some way, shape, or form at Exact Target. And I came in, and what I loved about Kevin, uh, he and I worked really well, because he said, hey, Sean, here's the deal. We need to grow uh, our alignment with sales. Go ahead. <laughs> that was pretty much like, he's, we, we got to figure out how to work better with sales. And you know, the lesson here for everybody is like, most leaders
1: don't give you very specific instructions to go do it. And actually, that's what makes them great leaders. Uh, and so, like, I have a lot of respect for Kevin and the way... Yeah. He he led uh you know, you know, at one point I reported into him when the acquisition happened, and he would just paint the picture and he would almost make you think about a, a challenge. And I know he had ideas, I know he knew a few things oh, yeah. that we should be doing, but he would never tell us exactly what to do. So if anybody's catching this, like this that's a lesson for leadership, is like don't tell what to do. Open oh, let let the other person kind of think through that. So so keep going. I, I wanted to make sure we point that out
0: no actually that's it's actually a lesson I took with me as a uh I'm glad you're calling that I took that as a leadership lesson myself is uh he as well as Tim Kopp were very big about empowering as much into the organization as you can as far down into the organization as you possibly can, and then you'll find out where you need to pull back where certain people aren't ready yet or maybe the the circumstances aren't right but thankfully um the circumstances were right at exact target. And Kevin said, Hey, go figure out the stuff with sales. And he gave me a little bit more guidance than that, but uh, I give him grief about it. Cause that was one of my first days Or he's like, so you just got to go talk to the sales guys and figure out what they need. And I was like, all right. So I started out by basically, I had a team of one um, not including myself. So a team of two. And ultimately what we were trying to figure out is let's work backwards from the sale. Huh. Sales is closing deals. It's the classic, like start from the end and work backwards. But what we found, very, very quickly was our sales team was really good at closing whatever they got in front of them. The problem was we weren't getting enough of the good stuff in front of them. And so we kept asking, well, what's the good stuff? What do you, what exactly are you looking for? And that's where I started to realize the importance of the persona, hmm. the importance of industry, the importance of the data behind what's already closing and carry that momentum, right? If you've already got a strength in something, and so it turned into a research project, essentially, as I was like, all right, how can I learn about this? What data can I analyze? Oh, we're closing bigger deals in media in this certain quarter. Maybe we should run more proactive campaigns during that quarter to close even more. Mm-hmm. And so it became this kind of very interesting flywheel that started to, to pick up on, on our end, is the more data we looked at and the more focus we put on certain areas, the more it kind of propagated um, momentum for other teams. They're like, hey, I saw what you did there. Could we run a campaign? And so we went, outbound marketing went from, hey, let's do some direct mail stuff to a true global demand generation team where we grew and we focused by product line. We focused Mm -hmm. by segment and we focused by industry. So it was like a three by three matrix. And it all started from really just getting into the sales and literally locking arms deal by deal uh, with the sales team. And by doing that, then I could take that out to the marketing team and say, "Hey, we should run these campaigns because I just was wa- I was walking through this deal with these guys, and I can guarantee you every other media company or every other technology company is saying the exact same things, and we started running campaigns that way, and I, I just got lucky in being able to be in the right spot to connect the dots
1: yeah, you know well one thing, I don't know how many people do this in marketing, and I want to fast forward this to figure out. How much of it is something that you are encouraging your marketing team to do? But your job at that time was really to figure out what works for sales. And yeah. I've said all along, like our job, if you're in B2B in marketing is to either incrementally or exponentially grow sales. Yep. it. That's it. If in any other way? If you're looking in market, well, no, I'm a brand marketer. I get this all the time. I'm an events person. I'm a graphic designer. I need to create, like, like, yep. Is that incrementally, exponentially grow sales? And if you're not able to connect that dots, one is you probably will never become a CMO because that mm-hmm. is a one of the key drivers for your success. And two, even in your role, it might be harder for you to grow. So. Yeah. Share a little bit about Sean, like how much time did you spend with sales in that
0: role as a director of global programs and marketing when you were you were running that oh a dis uh i i I did this big sigh a disproportionate yeah. amount of time, and yeah. I love the sales guys, right? I love them because what I found the closer I got to the dollar, the more impactful I could be, yeah, and with the sale you have to be arm in arm so I was having one on ones every week with every sales director, every new sales director. was making sure I was part of their onboarding. Like I I became part of the extended sales team, or at least as much as I could. And I wanted my team, if there was a regional meeting
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and they were having, let's say it's the the central region for sales and they were having a regional meeting, I wanted it to be painful for them to miss the marketing person that wasn't there. Right. And so that was kind of the painkiller moment of, uh, I kept t- teaching my team and I've got a couple of people that I've loved to see where they've gone with their career. Um, they've taken this painkiller approach where it's like, if I'm not there, is it painful for them? Because mm-hmm. I add so much value. And we got to that point where even if it was tactical things, like people relied on us to be a part of the sales team. And that's when I knew we had a really good groove is every new person that came in. They're like, Hey, have you talked to the field marketing team? Cause field marketing rolled into outbound or demand gen at that point. And we just had these tentacles that would reach out and we became very good about getting into like individual deals as well as scoping all the way out into prospecting efforts. Yeah. We became good about shifting gears from above the funnel to within the funnel. I love a couple of, of good questions.
1: Yeah, there's there's tons of questions coming in. So like David Perra, um he's asking what kind of data did you look at and what sort of analysis was done? Because we want to get to the part like you, because you've switched gear completely. And a lot Back of people 100. are like, yeah, now, you we're know, talking about outbound, the, the world that you knew you were so good at, you, you made a career out of it, you were known mm-hmm. for that. And now yep. as you came, you're, you're like, you open and that's another lesson. If somebody's dropping this down as lessons later on, just drop into the comments over here, is that be okay to change. Yep. Be okay to change if that is one of the greatest skill sets of marketing that no CMOs that nobody talks about is that if you came in and knew that hey this is my playbook and this is how I run and if you were to go in PandaDoc today and say well I've always done outbound marketing so that's the first thing I'm gonna do chances are you wouldn't be as successful with the growth that you've seen right now than that than it is right now.
0: No, and I can tell you I've tried outbound marketing at PandaDoc and. It was one of those things. Where I was like, ah, oh, maybe we should try it and sprinkle this in, and we just realized there's so much more. It, it just comes back to like, where, how are we exponentially growing sales? It's just like, what's the, what's the, the opportunity cost of me trying to get this up and running versus optimizing this, yeah. right? And it becomes very clear there's zero, there's extra zeros when I'm optimizing inbound than when I'm trying to go after outbound at this point. And so for the last year and a half, it's just been guys, we have so much opportunity that we're not taking advantage of. I see an extra zero or two on the end of these numbers over here and the same amount of investment that I could put over here. Yeah. And so, well, well,
1: as you answered that, I just want
0: people to take a moment and tag
1: your favorite salesperson on your team and just say thank you for what they do. Because as a marketing team, a lot of times we live in our own bubble and we're doing a whole bunch of things, but we never say thank you for the salesperson who's doing it. So take a moment and just tag your favorite sales rep. Maybe it's your CRO, maybe it's a VP of sales, maybe it's an SDR, whoever you're working on. And if you don't know anybody, that's a telltale sign that that's not good. That's really not good. So I'm hoping to see a ton of people tag one or two of their sales teams to just say, thank you. And you know we are celebrating some of that relationship because that's what marketing job is to drive their business. So, so let's see how what tags come in. Uh, And let's answer David's question on like, what data are you looking and what analysis are you doing at that time?
0: Yeah, at that time, so when we first started, there's a lot of different data, but it wasn't focused on, um, what I noticed was we weren't focused on what closed, how long did it take to close? The sales team was looking at this constantly. But the marketing team, we were looking at more of the audience growth. We were looking at more of website traffic. We were looking at that top of funnel flow and the brand metrics. And so what we started to look at was one of the, the first reports that I got a lot of people leaning into was we pulled all closed one deals by quarter by industry. And we did it by number of deals and we did it by the dollar amount of deals. And what wow. we saw when we, we ran, <clears throat> we ran a bar chart and I remember this because I talked to the, the operations team and I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm dangerous enough to do this myself, but could you check my work? Yeah. And they checked it they're like, yeah, no, no, that makes sense. There were clear spikes. We saw clear episodic spikes in different quarters for different industries, like media and entertainment. There was a spike in Q3 and Q4 where they were buying a lot, mm-hmm. right, B- versus financial services was buying a lot in, let's say, Q1. And it just became very odd that it happened two to three years in a row because I went back and I pulled as much as I could pull. And we just saw these interesting trends. So I said, all right, hey, q one's coming up. Um, I think, actually, I think media was Q, uh, a Q1 spike. And I was like, let's run a media campaign. We have media customers. Let's go proactively after media. And let's lock arms with the sales team and use this data. And tell the sales team, hey, look how many deals already closed in the last couple Q1s. Why wouldn't we do this? Yeah. And that was the first way to really open the door with the sales team. And candidly, Sangram, like, I think other than the leadership team, and I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here, other than the leadership team and the marketing team, when I joined, not a lot of people knew the sales team yeah. and not a lot of the sales team knew the marketing team. Wow. It was very, it was a very divided group, but it wasn't because it wasn't intentional that way. It was just nobody had really worked on it. And yeah. just having the conversation, I see one person had asked if they're reluctant, um, if the sales team is reluctant to let marketing in, they were, they were absolutely reluctant. Cause it's like, uh, ah, yeah, yeah. What what value could you really add? Yeah. Well, as soon as we started coming with data that was about mm-hmm. we're going to run these campaigns, it's based on deals you guys have already closed, um, and we could see dollar amounts in particular mm-hmm. and numbers. And we said to the sales team, "Okay, what do you want to go after—the dollars or the number of deals?" Mm-hmm. So we didn't make it a decision of do you want to do this. It's a classic sales technique of which one do you want to do, right? Yeah. So we're selling the sales and they were like, well, obviously the dollars, like we're an enterprise, we want to sell enterprise software. I want to go after the dollars. And we're like, awesome. Let us put together some ideas that would help prospect into what are some companies that you're going after that are in the media space? Uh, Well, I don't have, uh, let me, let me check through Salesforce. I don't really know, but just asking those questions, then started the ball rolling of, Mm -hmm. Hey, marketing is going to do a media campaign. I'm going to put some media contacts into the database. Yeah, and that intentionality. We just um, we had very good partners on the sales team from the beginning that kind of got, hey, any extra help you can give me, um, I'll take as a cherry on top, and they quickly realized like to hit their hit their numbers that grew every quarter, yep. and every year. It's no longer the cherry on top. It's not a nice to have.
1: Yeah. did And and we, and we I'm seeing questions coming on on inbound. So we're going to transition. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're like, we're like, yeah, we, what about inbound? So yeah, we, we're going to get there. But this okay. is important okay. because majority of the organizations have an outbound team yep. uh, in their organization. As a matter of fact, like let's just talk even about HubSpot, who talks about inbound all day long, like their investors in Terminus. And know the founders and know their organization. They have a pretty massive sales team to do what they do. So it's like it's sales is an integral part of any B2B company. Um, said another way, I have not seen a whole bunch of companies, which is why this, the next part of this conversation is really interesting. I have not seen a whole lot of companies where inbound is so successful that the, sales was not, the outbound wasn't as important. Sales was important, but outbound wasn't as important. Um, but I've seen it 100 times over. Like I've seen it many, many, many times where organizations all they had was a sales team and they're already at the 10, 50, even sometimes 100 million in revenue before they actually adding marketing. And that to me was an aha moment. Like, look, going back to my job as a marketer is to increment your exponential sales because I don't exist if you don't drive revenue and stuff. So let's jump into like Scott, um, Scott Marker, who's also with us in the, in the P community, is like, if your leads 100%. Inbound, how does that? I think it's close to, I think it's like 90% if, if I remember. Yeah. Uh, inbound, how does that fit into a traditional ABM strategy? Are you even doing ABM, quite frankly? Um, and or is it
0: modified? Is it completely different strategy? So here you go. Uh, yeah. Uh, Scott, I saw this message and I was like, huh, I'm going to be reluctant to tell you the truth, but I'll tell you uh, right now, um, we're actually getting ready to roll out ABM. Um, within our organization and we have been looking at it for the last year and every quarter um, we have taken a modified approach and it's Mm -hmm. like we get closer and closer but we realize the investment to go in versus what happens you know we were getting ready to invest in abm very heavily in q1 and then march hit and inbound just skyrocketed and so we just were like i can't i can't uh I can't pull the team into something when I see double the amount of traffic and I see triple the amount of leads coming through. I can't justify putting dedicated effort and the sales team can't when I'm hearing, we have to start filtering leads out, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's the kind of, we were getting to the point where we had to scrutinize that. And trust me, I know this sounds horrible. Like, yeah, I wish I had that problem. It's, um, it's still a problem. (laughs) <laughs> but we had to modify the strategy. And Scott, your your point is um, the point I want to make with you is we it's it's not a hundred percent and zero. Honestly, the sales team always has an account based strategy because that's right. what they close is accounts, right? And I'm locked with the sales team, so it's it might be seventy thirty or sixty forty or eighty twenty depending on where it's at. But we we mostly deal with high transaction, high volume companies, and I realized. I've always worked in enterprise organizations, like and they sell enterprise solutions. This is the first organization where I've, I've sold primarily the SMB and mid-market hmm. companies. That inbound works phenomenally well for so mid-market. First, take a moment for
1: people to recalibrate. What are the size of the deals you're selling to? Who are you selling to? Um, what is the size of your marketing team? What is the size of your sales team? So just people get an idea of like, why is it working for you? And then we get into the volumes of like, well, how the heck are you able to drive so much inbound
0: because that itself seems um unsurmountable for a lot of folks. I'll give you so as of today um we're selling deal sizes between four to seven thousand uh, okay. dollars for annual licenses. We're dealing with uh our sales team is dealing with organizations that are mostly uh let's say. 50 employee size to about a thousand employee size companies. Mm. Okay, so if you look at that, that's upper SMB range, maybe mid-market range. And we're not we're we're hyper focused there. Mm. Now we have enterprise companies finding their way to us. We have sales reps going out after enterprise companies. And so we do have those popping into the funnel. But what we've gotten really good at, and this is one of those things that uh, you read a book and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'll remember. Yeah, I'll, I'll incorporate that. But then you you realize like um, you leverage your strengths. Yes. And we've just doubled and tripled and quadrupled down. Our strength is we can talk to an SMB in mid-market and provide actual value for them uh, at a level that is allowing us to renew at 120%, right? So when you start to see that kind of traction, it's almost like, well, how much more total addressable market is there that fits this mold? And there's yeah. a whole lot more in the SMB and mid market. Mm-hmm. Now, our marketing team right now is about 26 people. Okay. Um, does not include SDRs. So SDRs are not a part of the marketing team. They were when I first joined. Okay. Um, and we we deliberately it's it's actually it's it's funny. My entire career is like gone in the opposite in this job where SDRs used to report into marketing and everything. Um, We pulled the SDRs out because we realized marketing could do so much more when we focused outward instead Mm. of inward. And so I was able to take the marketing team and say, look, we're going to build a lot of depth around our our core pillars. Mm. And when I came in, our core pillar was search. We Mm. were very, very good at search. And when I say search, it's uh, organic search, not paid. We were not very good at paid. And so... When we got to this point, Sangre, I don't know if I answered all your questions, uh, dollar size, target market. Oh, the teams that use our our solution. Yeah. They're customer facing teams, sales, um, CS, marketers, um, even operations because they're behind the scenes. We do document automation. Mm. So if you want to send a proposal, send a contract, send a quote, have e-signatures, right? There is an operational component, but it's usually the customer facing yeah. uh, teams that's who we're selling to. And guys, if I could tell you anything, um, that's where the money's at. They got the money to spend because they're the ones that bring in the money and it's very, it's follow the dollar. I mean, I hate to say it, but we're focused on that group. Doesn't mean we don't take like HR teams. We do. We have people that use our, our documentation for, or our document automation for, uh, sending out uh, welcome packets. And we mm-hmm. have people sending out NDAs and just random things. But the core, 80% is people that are in a revenue-facing role. Yeah. And it, it's very, very interesting to see. Uh, we didn't expect that, but we, we did some homework. Right before I joined, they did ICP analysis. And they were mm-hmm. like, it's a slam dunk. Now, how big is this market? And we realized it's pretty big, so keep going.
1: Yeah, you know, so there's a there's a there's a new theory that I heard yesterday, or maybe it's more practical on. And and folks, dropping your questions because now we're gonna get into like whatever you want to ask around how you're driving inbound, how you're getting like. Let's just get into all of it. But I heard yesterday for the very first time in a conversation where someone was talking about. I'm sorry, I can I forgot the name of the person, but he was talking about the idea of it's not all about total addressable market. As much as we understand the TAM and we're trying to figure it out, he said, and he used a new phrase, which was at that time was really smart. He said, it is about the total relevant market. And that started to make, as as I thought about it, it started to make more sense. like what we really want, like for example, I remember we could say, well, you know, who can buy, let's just say, you know, your, your solution right now, Probably every single SMB company in the world should be able to buy what you're trying to do. But are, can you go after every single person in the, comp- in the world right away? can Gen- mm-hmm. no. So now you start going after the most relevant market that you're able to create a, a slice of and then grow that and then start testing all the other markets and grow that. So one, I want to get your thoughts on it. And then we'll just jump into some of the questions that Andy
0: and, and a lot of Chris and a lot of other folks are asking. Uh, that could not be more appropriate to how did we start with it? How did we get to this point with inbound um, the total relevant market? So our organic, when I talked about it, organic was one of the pillars that I saw was a, a core strength that the company had. Uh, the company had done a really good job from the marketing team's perspective of casting that wide net. It was right. an inch deep and, and a mile wide, and mm-hmm. it was all around everything that you could possibly do with a document from Filing divorce papers to a landscapers agreement contract to marketing proposals. I mean, you name it, Mm. we had content built and we're optimizing that content to to be relative to searches, even if even if they were small. Searches, we had long tail, we were really focused on. And so when I came in, I noticed the strength was around the the content that had been produced was all about the relevancy. To what you could possibly use a document for, anything, right. like literally anything, and I joked around with the team, and I'm like, really, we have you know templates for uh, divorce or templates for you know how do I incorporate a company or t-? and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, and here's our top twenty and everything else, but I kept hearing them say templates, 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 and I was like, well, let me pull on that string. What do, what do you mean by templates? The the core of the SEO had been built on providing value right out of the box. Here yeah. is a document. We're a document automation company, so we automate the documents, but here's actual documents for you to use.
1: Oh man, you're literally giving them a starting point as opposed to like- Literally. Scaper doesn't hey, have time to like figure out what I mean. Just give me the document, make me let me edit. So, oh, okay. So you created
0: so, a template, almost the whole thing was templates, okay. Yeah, so we started with, hey, if you're looking for this kind of document, download it from us, and then that's how we got your information and we got you into our free trial. Ooh. And so that is a it's a great hook but what i noticed was we were trying to provide value from the minute that people are searching. And even though we're uh, automating documents, we were giving away the documents, right? So i started to think about how do we how how applicable could this be outside of just our realm? Well, exact target we did something very similar we were all about email marketing. Well, one of our our most successful campaigns was email marketing templates. Hey, here's some templates that you could use. We call them swipe files or we called them different things. Just use these emails. These have been performing really well. Go and use them. It's yours. It's free. Yeah. Just give us a little bit of your information, right? There's a value exchange and uh, it allows you to start that relationship of, hey, we have a new marketing template because I know you are interested in marketing templates. And I've noticed that's, it's not a secret sauce but until you actually see it in play mm. a lot of our traffic and i mean when i joined i was shocked at how much traffic was coming to a small company's b2b website and you know we're at a, a million visitors a month now we're at yeah. cr- it's it's crazy but it all started with casting a very wide net and creating content that was anything relevant to a document anything and mm. so we started to see people engaging and then that started to then Google started to rank us higher, give us higher domain authority. The more people engaged, more people clicked, the longer they stayed on the page. Well, you're going to stay if you're going to look at a template. Yeah, You're going to stay if you're going to like, oh, well, maybe I want this template. We'd have 10 different templates of the same thing. They might just have different colors or different names. Mm. And we started there. But that is the the foundation that I noticed really quickly. and I was like, all right, let's build around this. So what hmm. I took the traffic analysis and we worked with the demand gen team. We said, "What can we take from here to then work on paid?" Right? right. So let's let's build a new pillar, but off of our strength of search. So search engine marketing. We went up SEM. So then we started to say, "All right, take every good thing that's happening in search, but not just like what the most traffic is coming from. It where the dollars coming from? What templates are bringing in that people start with, that come all the way through and close?" Yeah. Let's start paying for campaigns around those. Once again, wherever there's momentum, jump on it, right? So we started doing paid campaigns. Wow. Like,
1: just, I'm just trying to pause for a second there, Sean, because, and I want people to drop in, like what is that one thing that is that is going to change everything? And I think a lot of people don't think about it, is that what is that one thing That will change everything in your organization. And what I'm hearing from you, and I've seen it so many times repeat, like it's almost like a a playbook, if you will, of of a freedom within framework. I think this is the framework for most organizations, which is find that one thing that you're so good at or your organization somehow is so good at. You don't have to reinvent that trying to be uh, outsmart the, the thing that's already working and just build it around that. And I think a lot of times we get into this trap of like trying to create more new cool things, whereas the thing that you're working, actually, if you can double down at, you can, you can skyrocket it. An example of that one, because you were talking through that came to my mind was Chick-fil-A. So I heard, uh, I was talking to the VP of marketing at Chick-fil-A recently, and they said that, do you know, or can you even imagine how many times that internally, as a company, we have debated that we need a better or a different um, uh, you know mascot than a cow. Like how many times, every time they would have a new marketer come in, they want to bring in their own ideas and thoughts and outsmart it and the, and And for the last twenty years or so, they still are using the same exact cow. Uh, idea and and what they would go and, and they did a market research. And this is really cool. That just threw me off. He said what they, he would do to calm everybody's nerves down as executives and stuff like that. He would go to a market study and say, what is the penetration level of, of our messaging in the market? And even now, they would say that, well, first of all, the brand, as everybody just talks about that. So the brand advocacy is just crazy. higher. But from a penetration perspective, they're still small in the market, the size that they're trying to get to. So there's a large market still to be captured. And But he would say like every three months, they have to go through this telling internally, like, guys, guys, it's okay. The cow is still working. We do not need a pig. We do not need another something. And it just threw me off. And I can imagine how hard it must be. And I think what you're sharing is that the templates work. That's how mm-hmm. everybody's coming to your website. So you're just building things around it. So I just wanted to bring that up because that is
0: such a such a big idea. That's the statement. The cow is working. Yes, the cow is <laughs> working. Right? Like, it's and it's it sounds simple because we uh, I am I am self-professed even as we were getting uh, ready for this. I have shiny object syndrome. I am I am one of those people that if I see something, I'm like, oh, that's interesting, and I'll, I'll kind of look at it because I want to learn, but. I have learned really quickly that it's okay to have the shiny object syndrome, but if you can constantly rely on that core, like I'm better than anybody at this. Yeah. And that's one of the, actually the interview questions I learned through my career is what are you better at than anybody else? Mm-hmm. And just to see what they say, because you got to have something to stand on and they can't just be like, Hey, I'm great at everything. Well, that you're better than everybody at everything. <laughs> now that sounds ridiculous from a person. Yeah. well, a lot of companies are trying to market that way. You yeah. can't be better than everybody at everything, right? So that's where the differentiators and the ICP comes in. So we'll jump back into, I see a, a couple of questions oh, yeah. we in here.
1: The questions for sure. So finish that thought and then we're gonna rapid fire answer the, there are like 20 questions oh, that- okay, we... got it. All right,
0: yeah. so we went from SEO, we figured out what was actually driving revenue. We started to then drive our paid acquisition towards those areas and then learned rapidly. When I say rapidly, it was to the point of we built a team around it quickly. We were outsourcing our paid to start to really understand, like, let's get a best practice framework of how should we structure our Google AdWords campaigns, right? Because I didn't have anybody in-house that had done that. So we outsourced it to a a really good firm that helped us set the structure. And the whole point we told them was like, we're doing this to in-house this. Like the Mm. whole goal is to, Get this to a point where we're going to bring it in-house. So I'm willing to pay you a premium to help us set this up because I know you're not going to have the long tail retainer right. after this. And they were cool with that. They're like, all right, I get it. We did that. Our team learned. We built a team internal around paid. And now we're still building on that because the the total addressable, the total relevant market is still gigantic. You're right. And we're only capping ourselves on how much we want to spend at this point, not how much can we reach. Right. So paid became our second big pillar and it started to pay off after about six months. Mm. And so we have organic working really well. It's working really well with with paid where I can intersect them. Mm. Where are we seeing better traffic on organic? Let's start doing paid. Also, where are we? Let's experiment on paid to then inform our organic. And it became very bi-directional because we, uh, paid what we found out quickly. And if anybody's done paid, you realize you can turn things on or off really quickly. And Google's happy to take your money either way. Right? right. So test, iterate, learn really quickly, test your messaging, test your landing pages. And that's how we started to optimize. Mm. So then we got into website optimization. We started optimizing all right, on the demo flow, out of all the traffic we're getting, can we get more people into demo, more right. people into trial, more people into the product as quickly as possible? That became our third pillar is really ramping up our trial and demo optimization and we're we're not done like we're nowhere near done um i actually was just in a conversation yesterday about it right so uh we got to the optimization piece and now we're getting into our our third pillar that we've really been working on is influencers if you will and i say influencers in a very big bucket of g2 trust radius influencers that are in the review space as much as influencers, well, Sangram, I'd call you an influencer, people that are in the space that are talking to the audience that we want to talk to, Yeah. right? So how do we start to do a better job of getting on their radar and, and making sure that we're playing well with them and that we're helping that community as much as trying to grab, grab value from it? And we saw that take off immediately, which was amazing. Um, review sites, I can't tell you guys enough. If you are not working with G2 and a Captera, you're missing out. Um, the the companies that, uh, there's a lot more of them than I, I re- originally knew when we started doing homework. And the ROI on them is phenomenal. So that was our third pillar. So we have review sites. It's, it's basically third party validation using our customers, huge, right? It was yeah. monstrous. So now I got third party validation with our customers. We've got paid that we can experiment with. And we've got organic that I can keep going deeper and deeper and deeper with. And we've got these three things working super well. Now, if you see any intent change in the market, which we saw in March, we're ready. Like the net is there to capture it. And that's what we were thinking about going outbound because we've got it ready. Now let's let people know. Well, we didn't have to let people know because people needed to find out as they went remote. Yeah, And we just, the net was there. And so we started catching it and we started going deeper and deeper. And now we're really working with the sales team to figure out, okay, these are people that are raising their hands and coming to us. We still need to control our destiny. So I'm not done with ABM. Like ABM is on the roadmap.
1: Well, I mean, if you're going up market, it would, it would make sense. Uh, of like, Exactly. You know, we're going. And there, and now there needs, there are more people in the sales process, but that's why I wanted to have this because my, my big philosophy is that well, ABM is not right for everybody, um, you know, some of the salespeople on my team may not like me saying that, but I'll just go ahead and say it straight up. This is It's not right for everybody, but it, when it's right, it's so right that the, even if you, you, it doesn't matter what you called it, your your sales team, as you said, is doing some of it. Um, so we're going to try to answer, I'm like so for folks who are new to this, Sean is in the peak community, so you can just, if you don't get to some of your questions here in the next 10, 15, 10 12 minutes as we wrap up, Uh, Make sure that you drop him a note over there. So let's just go to some of the questions from Peter. Peter is in the Emerging CMO group. Phenomenal. He's like one of the best demand gen folks that I I talked to him a couple of times as part of that group. He's like, for your inbound marketing engine, what work is done in-house versus outsourced? That's a great question.
0: That's a really good question. Uh, Everything's in-house. So we bring everything in-house. The only piece that we, uh, the strategy, I shouldn't say everything. Let me rephrase that. We bring uh, the strategy, we bring the analysis, we bring the um, uh, all of the, uh, the titling from where we want this to, to the total addressable market that we want to go after with these pages. All of that is done in house. We don't yeah. do any of the strategy work outside. What we do outside is the content creation. So we will say, all right, we need to create pages on this, 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 this. Yeah. Are there experts out there? This is where that influencer play comes in. Are there people that already have a voice that could get us placed with high domain authority in articles, right? So that we can produce our own content, but we can also have people placing content for us. And so that placing content is outsourced. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I would consider. Outsource um, sure part of that. Okay. Yeah, they, they outsource part. And that's extremely important because that domain authority piece, I can't. It's worth the investment. We spend 20 to 25 percent of our budget, on, from a people, tools, and programs perspective, on SEO.
1: Wow, 20 25 percent—that's more than I've ever like heard from. Like that's like almost in the neighborhoods of what probably HubSpot and some of the other companies are are spending, uh, which yep. is driving a tremendous amount inbound. All right, um, uh, S. Uh, he his, I don't know if it's a question, but it's a, it's a it's a great comment, and I wanted to see if you had thoughts on it. If you're building content funnels. We SEO. You can also start with a few landing pages and commence with paid traffic to test trials, which seems like you're doing that. And the organic strategy is good, but SCM allows you to accelerate the learning, which is really interesting. So I'm, I'm wondering if are you, when you're driving, when you said you have organic paid and reviews, in the paid, where are you running your paid campaigns? What platforms are you running on? Where are you getting this paid traffic from?
0: So we have, um, Google is the primary. We're seeing okay. Bing come in a lot. Yeah, um, Bing is actually underrated. Like, there's still people using Bing and, and it's honestly a great place to spearfish. Like we're, yeah. we can run targeted campaigns and um, we have found with Google um, when we're running our ad campaigns, this statement is very true. Like mm. we are using landing pages and I'm using paid to drive people specifically to certain landing pages to figure out this ad versus this ad, right? Yeah. Or this copy versus this copy if they go to the same landing page, I can tell it's the ad performance. Well, yeah. I'll take those same two ads, or I'll take the same ad and run them to two different landing pages, which landing page is optimized, right? So we can play around with A-B testing all over. Paid is one of those scalable moments. Mm. I can tell, and I've done this, I can tell the executive team, for every dollar you give me, I can give you back X amount with paid. You and have it's, it, it's in our you
1: literally can say that looking at the page saying for a dollar in marketing, I can give you X in pipe or
0: X in revenue. Uh revenue. Closed one. Oh. Yeah. And so I mean that's but that's the like that's why we're investing so much. Like this 20 to 25% that I talked about when budget is you've got to have the ability to to track those things. Right. So part of this is the tracking of first touch versus last touch. Yeah, And there's an influencer moments all throughout there, but there's a lot of first touch analysis where I can say, guys, I, I can't say the number, but I was very, I was excited to tell the executive team, you could give me a lot more money and I could spend a lot more to bring in a lot more closed one. Wow. And that's a, that, that's a
1: dream for,
0: for I, Trust team. me. Like it's, it's really cool.
1: Um, but your point, like Andy, who's his, is in in, in your group of the CMO group, Um, he's the CMO of snack nation. He's like, he's yeah, I mean, I've not heard this before, um, Mm -hmm. in the last six months that people are using Bing and it's like they use Bing, Um, and it says that it's crushing it. Um, here's a question from you. I can't see the name. So type in your name. Um, uh, for some reason, I can't see that Sean, what process do you use for interviews of close loss to help you build out an ICP Mm. bar personas or messaging?
0: What processes I want to make sure it's processing that questions. Okay, so the process that we use right now, we've been trying to get close loss analysis on. We do close lost and um, lack of a churn. We do those kind of interviews, and the process that we're trying to use is our core ICP is companies that are 50 employees to 500, and if anybody churns out of those, that's the first place we start. And I have a marketing slide that. I I used it the first day I started as well as I've used it ever since then is I have ICP, three letters, ICP, and I have all arrows pointing towards it. And I'm like, all of our efforts are ICP from an acquisition standpoint to a retention, to an expansion standpoint. Mm. Now you have radiating effect, right? Like if we can do really well in this 50 to 500 employee range, mm. The company has shown that we're going to get other company sizes. We're going to get a thousand plus employee. We're going to get a 10,000 plus. They're finding their way to us guys be really good at what we're, we're good at. So it comes back to, did we turn somebody that we should not have churned? Mm-hmm. Were they a salesperson, like a sales team that were using us for proposals and contracts and quotes, any signature in a core industry that we've mm-hmm. identified like software? Did they close lost? Well, why would they close Lost? We yeah. are clearly like the best. We think we're the best solution for those types of companies. And we'll ask, you know, the process that we would use. I'll, I'll give you some of the questions would be, who did you go with? Yeah, They might not tell us, but it's, the people are pretty open about it if you ask them. Um, do, do, the, do you give any incentives to get them to response? Uh, we do after a while. Like we'll knock okay. on doors for a little bit, but you know, yeah, we might be like, hey, we'll do something. The thing is, if you go close Lost, generally it's like a bad date. People are like, yeah. ah, I don't want to talk to that person again, right? Like, so it's hard yeah. to get somebody to want to talk to you if, if they're not open to the first try.
1: There, that, is, that is fascinating. All right, uh, Kate, um, her question is, how much content are you creating on-site uh, and off-site to fuel your SEO engine? And I actually was thinking about that as a question, like, because, because it sounds like a monster amount of content and templates. Up. Can you give us any type of range of how many templates, how much content,
0: what, what's, what it looks like? We had, I'll just, I'll use a range of tens of thousands of pages, Uh, (laughs) put it that way. Uh, The templates were in the thousands. Now, the interesting thing about templates is for SEO, the titling makes uh, a lot of difference. The um, keyword distribution within there makes a lot of difference, but the engagement makes the most difference now, especially with Google and the changing of the algorithm. So and engagement can be measured by time as well as click throughs and, and everything else. What I noticed was creating on site. So, how much content are we creating on site? We will create the templates mm. ourselves, right? So, we'll create those templates and then you iterate them. All you do is you take one core template and you might have one core design and you just iterate. Okay, this is for landscaping and this would be for something else. Well, we've started to really hone in on this and say, nope, we're going to focus on ICP, which is revenue oriented teams. All of our templates are going to be focused on customer or marketing or sales or renewals, those those types of things. And then you just iterate renewals for this industry, renewal document for that industry, contract for this industry, but you don't have to recreate the template. You Mm. just change some of the content. It's just like email marketing, right? Like you have variables, you just put a variable in and you can replace it. You're still adding value. Now the off-site to fuel our SEO engine. This is where we pull in. this is where that question comes in before. We look for people that already have good relationships with high domain authority mm. sites. That is massively important because wow. then we t- have them point in their articles, the top ten this, right? Or things you didn't know about that, or you know the pricing process for this certain software. And we'll talk about our competitors. We'll pay them to put us in the mix with our competitors. And then link us to the the content that we just created, right? So you have high domain authority pointing towards your your new pages, which will automatically generate traffic. Automatically, but you'll get traffic, you'll get some engagement, and then that starts to rank a little bit higher. Then you have somebody else point to it, right? And it's hub and spoke. And so our SEO team, I can't say enough about them. They've got it down. That is that is
1: awesome, dude. All right, we can keep going on this one, but we're running out of time, so I'm gonna summarize and have you have you share a challenge with all the marketers and and folks. And and again, uh, Sean and I, we are uh, we're in the private group um, for marketing, so if you want to join in, just DM me or DM Sean um, since it's invite only. So here are my two and a half pages of notes that, that I'm gonna to try to put it in the peak community, but I'm I'm gonna share maybe three things. That uh, that really jumped out at me, and then and maybe you can end with a challenge. So number one, I I think you started with this is that you as a marketer not being in any sales meeting or sales conversation is that a painful thing for your sales team? I think that was a very thought provoking question. Like I honestly think that at one point we were in our own organization, and sometimes I feel like we need to do a better job because. Very quickly, we can fall into the trap of sending weekly emails and, um, you know, things that, and nobody reads it. We all know that. Uh, It's like, you know, 50 things are happening, but nobody's reading it. Nobody's taking action of it. So we were starting to read the sales team. I feel sometimes like here's all the stuff happening to just show off, but not truly be, as you're saying, intentional, where if you're not there that week, will they feel the pain? Yep. I think that's a big question for everybody to to answer for themselves, and and maybe they can talk about that in the in the peak. Number two, you said something that's and also very very counter to most marketing, I think, which is marketing job is actually selling to the sales team. Mm-hmm. Marketing I think like that. Uh, they, they here's my campaign, I'm running it and they got it. But the things that you talked about, both for outbound and inbound and how you came through the, the understanding of like, well, this is our core and we need to go full on. You talked about the fact that you went to your sales team and showed them the data at, at when you were at ET or when you were even here, and saying, here's what's working. Here's where we can go deep and become more relevant. Like, where do you want us to focus on? You got their buy-in in a way. So you sold to your sales team and they said, this is what we want. And then you delivered it. Yep. Not the other way around where here's all we're doing and why are you not using it? Which that's is exactly. a conversation that happens out there. I think there's stats that say 70, 80% of the marketing content for sales is not used. Well, that's why. You need to ask that marketing selling to the sales team. I think that's a big, big idea. And then uh, I think there are, again, so many, I'll, I'll put that in my recap um, in there later, that you talked about this idea of that one thing that is so good, so core to what your your entire marketing team is kind of hinging on, like chick fil cow. Um, Seth Godin talks about the purple cow, just talking mm-hmm. the cow stuff. Yours is the templates. Um, I was I had a conversation with Joe Paluzzi. They had like this one report where that's all. That is their one thing that they do and so good that people recognize your brand and start associating with that. And that's why they come in and get everything else. So I'll ask everybody to think about what is that one thing that differentiates you and that you're really good at? It's a great interview question, as you said, for an individual, but I think it's even a more and bigger question for your organization as a marketing team, what is that one thing that you can hang your hat on? So, a lot more to to jam into the recap later on. Uh, but love for you to share a challenge with every marketer who's listening to this and starting to think, and their wheels are turning now.
0: Yeah, uh, I think a big a big challenge right now is how are you helping your team realize that they're behind before they're behind, and it will challenge them to think completely differently. This, regardless of inbound, regardless of outbound. Uh, I have found in my career the the best times that the teams come up to the challenge is when you tell them we're already behind. We already have a gap. We need to be 30% higher next quarter and then 30% higher after the quarter after that. Think about how long it takes for us to get things rolling. So we're behind, right? And you don't have to be three months. You don't have to say it's a a year behind, but try to challenge your team with, hey, if we're already let's say 20% behind where we need to be. What can you do? What do you think we should stop doing and start doing that's going to get us as close to parity as possible? And you're going to see some very interesting ideas around that core strength. It's going to be, well, let's do what we do well. Generally, that's what people focus in on is they trim out the shiny objects and they say, let's just double down on what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And it gets you back to your core. And if if your team comes back and says, I don't know what we can do, that's when you've got a problem. Yeah.
1: Oh man, I love that. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do that uh, in our team uh later on this actually later on today. So <laughs> I have like to know that would, uh, <laughs> well tell them I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> because it is if you're everybody's in the planning phase right now, right? Yep. For the next year and starting to think through it. And that's a great question to to let people think and 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 struggle with in, in many ways to answer. Uh that, that is super important. So, Sean. Thank you so much for jumping in, sharing so much great wisdom. Uh, There are a hundred, pathing questions here that we didn't get to. Um, So I'll send you the link if you can respond to some of them, but I'm sure uh, you can respond uh, in the peak community when you get a chance. Um, Really appreciate everything that you're doing and how openly and transparently you share some of the challenges as well as some of the key areas for people to think about. So that was a treat, man. Thank you so much. I love it, Sangram.
0: Always a treat to talk to you.
1: Awesome. All right. Thanks, everybody. Uh, We will be back next Wednesday at 9 a.m. We'll see who we have and we'll go from there. Take care.
0: You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.